Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 and 1. Uh, I just, I never remember one. Okay, I gotta say it that way. I, Amazing Spider-Man 1, I forget all the time in this rewatch, I was amazed how much of like a nothing movie it was. Uh, you even texted me, hmm, quite. Yes, this is a Spider-Man movie, indeed. <laughs> and it was like, even Catherine laughed, was like, yeah, that was, that was a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> um, but man, that is, I, I will go on record saying that my tier list right now after these five movies is Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man 2, and then Amazing Spider-Man all the way at the bottom. That's bold. That's bold. That is what I'm at. I, yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I even rewatched Amazing spider No, I rewatched Spider-Man 2 last night, even though we were recording for the Amazing Spider-Man movies today. Oopsie, my bad. So just to set the stage for everyone here, obviously Spider-Man 4 was in production for a long time. A hundred years. Roughly a hundred years. <laughs> There's actually it, Spider-Man 3 to Spider-Man 4's production went so long. There's actually a tweet from Sony like announcing the beginning of like production on Spider-Man 4 with Sam Raimi. Um, it just was gestated so long and eventually they they split ways and not to mention also that while between Spider-Man 3 and Amazing Spider-Man a little thing called Marvel Cinematic Universe starts so suddenly comic book movie rights become worth their weight in gold where that's why Ghost, Ghost Rider gets a sequel that's why Fantastic Four gets rebooted everyone realizes oh man suddenly it's a new gold rush and so at some point Sony decides that they need to get like Spider-Man back off the ground. And when Sam Raimi doesn't want to play ball, they bring in Mark Webb, who is best known as directing 500 days of summer, I believe. And they cast young, hot actors. And so you get Andrew Garfield, you get Emma stone. And so pretty much the decree is just get a Spider-Man movie up and running off the ground. And it just needs to be a Spider-Man movie. It doesn't need to be anything spectacular. Uh, the unintended pun doesn't need to be anything groundbreaking. It just needs to be a competent Spider-Man movie. And that's what gives us Amazing Spider-Man 1, which, Melvin, you say it's your least favorite Spider-Man movie. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's uh, if there's something like I noticed with even rewatching Spider-Man 2 last night, it's that Raimi is very patient. He is setting up Lizard in Spider-Man 2. He is setting up Harry Osborn in Spider-Man 1. He is setting up which you told me this and I didn't know this, but Bruce Campbell was going to be Mysterio. And I just thought it was cute <laughs> that in Spider-Man 2, he doesn't let P- Peter Parker into the play because it will break the illusion, which I thought was cute because he even reads it like he's in on the joke. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so like, I don't know. It's <laughs> That's like how perfect. he reads all his dialogue, to be fair. So. It's so true. <laughs> like Bruce Campbell seems like the kind of guy that should not have been successful. And he gets, he's also in on that joke. <laughs> like, I don't know why I'm here, but you're paying me. So here I am. I was supposed to die in evil dead we all thought i was gonna die when that shelf fell on me <laughs> but um but here he is still living his life uh one of the best cameos in an evil dead remake ever bruce um, bruce Cam- <laughs> that's right uh bruce campbell his secret is that he resembles like a prototypical old school hollywood like leading does. man oh my gosh he does he has the chiseled look of like an old school war veteran bottomless clip yeah. kind of character he, yeah. he looks like a paperback novel like lead character brought to life <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah like a sex icon yeah but <laughs> in a sense but like <laughs> he also had a taste for like nerdy roles and so he just ended up being like if you are making a direct-to-video b-movie about a guy who goes to space get bruce campbell on the phone oh and yeah his role was succeeded by nathan fillion at a certain point he also has a good name bruce campbell it's very satisfying to read and yeah. to see so um, but yeah, like these <laughs> Raimi movies are super patient. And then you get to Amazing Spider-Man 1. And it's not only impatient, it's chasing trends. 
it's got like that rebellion style aesthetic to it. It's expedient. Like it kind of just jumps from scene to scene in a way that it feels disjointed and incorrect. Um, some of these decisions in terms of impatience, I like, like, I like how Peter Parker tells Gwen Stacy, he's Spider-Man like immediately. Yes. Yes. I like that because that sounds like something a 16 year old with superpowers would do. I feel like he would be texting Gwen saying, I showed you my web answer me. Like <laughs> he is that kind of kid. So it all, that all really works for me. And what a surprise the Peter Parker, Gwen Stacy stuff works. Like we already, <laughs> that is like of all of the things in these movies, um, in those two movies, that's the one that most people remember and really enjoy. But yeah, it's just that movie, like even the way Lizard is handled, um, it's Dr. Connors, right? That's his name. Kurt Connors. Kurt Connors. The way, like, I actually like the way his character works for most of the movie. And he even is a good guy to the quote unquote very end. And then he stabs himself with the thing, gets his arm back, and then then he's evil. <laughs> like it just immediately just time evil. for him to be evil. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, so, and I actually found it really compelling for him to not be that way and perhaps like just become like a Jekyll and Hyde type character. Yeah, yeah. But they don't really do that. And also we kind of have had that for the last three Raimi movies because that's Green Goblin, because that's Dr. Octopus, uh, and because that's Hobgoblin slash uh Venom. So like it doesn't uh make sense to do it again, but boy, how do they do it again? And they kind of do it again with Electro, but they just do it through his soundtrack, not through <laughs> the actual movie, which is bold. Uh, but <laughs> That's the way to put it, yeah. That movie is bold and brash. Q belongs in the trash. And so I I don't I, I but I really think that first one is a mess. I think parts of it look okay, but I don't know. It doesn't but but it doesn't at the same time I kept making jokes with my wife that like New York isn't real. It can't hurt you. And then they show CG New York and it just looks terrible. <laughs> so it's like the worst. It's got parkour. That's the trendy stuff. Parkour, skateboarding, first person Spidey, which arguably is kind of cool. I like it. Yeah. Rebellion movement slash graffiti stuff. Like I just, it's a mess. <laughs> Andrew Garfield is someone's dad's version of what a cool teenager is. <laughs> like, like he's walking, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. he dresses yeah. he has fingerless gloves he's got the skateboard but he's also loves his parents maybe that's why nobody likes him is because they <laughs> see him and you're like you are the equivalent of dad core teenager the amazing spider-man is a com- very competent movie with nothing about it that makes it stand out it you know it has the beginnings of the peter parker gwen stacy stuff which um, I will talk about more when we discuss being Spider-Man 2. It has some creative decisions that I enjoy, but the problem with Amazing Spider-Man 1 and then later Amazing Spider-Man 2 is, well, first off, this movie came out in 2012, which, uh, pop quiz, what other superhero movie came out in 2012, <laughs> Melvin? Uh, 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 the Avengers. <laughs> yes, the first Avengers movie came out, and man, I think if you- like, wasn't it like two months after this one? Or was it before? I can't remember. They were in relative were close. close proximity. Yeah. And it just erases it from all of our memories. It's the ne- it's the neuralizer. You know, it, we, when we think about superhero films, we're going to think about that scene where it's all the characters, all the Avengers in the circling, the camera swishing around them as they all do their poses. We're going to think about the Thanos post credit scene. We're not thinking about Spider-Man fighting the lizard. It takes to keep him from turning everyone into lizards, which is in fact his plan, which has bad music, by the way. I don't Terrible. know if you, the, oh, what's some of the worst music cues. James Newton Howard did the music for this. I mean, this is after Danny Elfman Elfman. So it's like, I mean, that's really tough to, to go up against, but like, the music cues in the first Amazing Spider-Man are very bad. I thought it was really bad too, but I was like, "Who did the music?" And the music was done by an actually like a very respected. Uh, a maybe uh, it was the rush. Maybe it was because it was so expedient. Well, hold on, I'm gonna make you feel bad in a second. Uh, this was the f- um, James Horner scored the film. One of the most prolific and important uh, music scorers. He did the music for Star Trek. He did the music for Titanic. He did the music for Avatar. Yeah, but Dean Cundy did the lighting for like half of Carpenter's movies, and those movies look great. And then yeah. you see what he's been doing lately, and it's just like flat and pale. But this, anyway, this is the last thing he did before his death. Oof. So I guess I should not be making 
fun of this. <laughs> My bad. Was it actually? Hold on. It, Rest did, in peace. Did he die after this? Or I don't know. That's what it said on the Wikipedia. Wikipedia, <laughs> never wrong. <laughs> Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood call to action. Just checking in on you. Hope you're doing all right. I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Hey, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S., and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You want me to... expand Cinematic Doctrine. You know this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, (laughs) I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention, you get to tell us what to do. That's right, each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run, so I'll see you guys later. But yeah, the music's terrible, but also some of the stuff that because if you look, this is one of the better reviewed Spider-Man films. I think it's number, th- it's higher reviewed than both Spider-Man three and this, which I just cannot believe. I think I'll even say I think Amazing Spider-Man two succeeds way better than this one, but I think it also fails where the first one fails too. Like what sucks about the first one, it continues into the second one, and that sucks too. Yeah, well. Part of why it's there's if you go back in time capsule and this is one of the interesting things about the movie is the things that made it stand out where people were like, you know what? This one ain't too bad is the web swing is great. His costume is great. The action scenes are um, more, I'll just say modern. I mean, action scenes are a matter of taste in some respects, but his movement looks more like Spider-Man. He's more quick I like and how swift. He swings. Yeah. It, he, the way he swings is great. It's very like a lack of control. And more responsive to the swinging as opposed to Peter Parker in in the Raimi movies, which is very, I am in complete control. Um, well, <laughs> and I kind of like that. Yeah. the the Some of the things that give movies the Raimi charm were admittedly certain things that I guess certain Spider-Man fans wanted more comic accurate in some respects. Like there's some scenes where like Sp- Spider-Man's like sitting on a web, uh, a bed of webs and it looks cool. However, all of that ages because so many of those things actually did kind of get carried on into the Tom Holland Spider-Man films. And if you want cool action scenes with Spider-Man, uh, the MCU has got you covered. And there's certain things I still think are superior in these two films where I still like the suit from Amazing Spider-Man two It's the best Spider-Man suit we've had so far. I think it's better than any of the stuff Tom Holland has I worn. It's really cool. And like, yeah, I, I like really the cool. more less controlled web swinging that he does specifically in Amazing Spider-Man two, actually. And he, is much more of a geeky nerd. He does more tech stuff. He's more MacGyver stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, like even in one, I like when he wants to explore the sewers. So he makes a web and then sits on the web waiting to hear which particular web goes off. I cool thought stuff. that was cool. Yeah. In Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, he has to solve like, I'm fighting someone who's electronic and can destroy my web slingers because I don't shoot webs from my wrists. And so (laughs) he has to start doing some YouTube stuff like we all would do. Um, And there's, yeah, I I like a lot more of this techy problem solving. Cause like that is Spider-Man is Marvel's Batman and Spider-Man's tech abilities is the equivalent to Batman's detective abilities. It is the problem solving, the, the the progress of here's who I'm against, how can I beat them? Whereas Raimi Spider-Man never quite gets that because they're much more 
metaphysical with the problems that take place. It seems like like the the problems that Peter that Toby Maguire has to overcome are much more psychological as opposed to scientific, which is fine. It's just a different Spider-Man. And so at least for the Amazing Spider-Man movies, I do really like that he's more tech proficient. And I'm curious to see more of that. Because I don't remember, is, is Tom Holland even tech proficient? Or just, just uh, does uh, Tony Stark just give him all his tech? And Peter Parker is, so he builds his suit and everything, where he has like the homemade suit. I Which I wish there was more cute. of that. Which they're making a prequel well, animated series to the MCU Spider-Man. So hopefully there's more of that in that. Well, you get some but, good homemade suit in uh, Spider-Verse. Yes, Spider-Verse, the best Spider-Man movie. I really like that and one. Yeah, he's basically a protege of Tony Stark, though. So we see him using Tony Stark's tech and Far From Home. So it's implied that he's, you know, a genius, kid genius type character. But there, he just doesn't have a lot of impetus to utilize that in those movies because the problems he's facing are so massive. Yeah. Versus, to, to the credit of every Spider-Man movie before the Holland ones, his threats tend to be more centralized into oh, New man, York. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Or... Even even if the the schemes of his villains tend to be, especially in the Maze movies, tend to be stupid. Like <laughs> yeah, Lizard's yeah. scheme. The one thing I like about Lizard is he has a laboratory in the sewers that feels very Spider-Man comic booky. But the fact it's another literally shooting a thing into the sky, like a laser in the sky type thing at the end, that just made me <laughs> just groan. And again, like if it sounds like we're struggling to talk about things in the Amazing Spider-Man, it's because we've basically told you everything. Yeah, the first one doesn't really happen. Like the first the, one doesn't really happen. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Like yeah, like, that wasn't the type of <laughs> the mouth. That was just true. Like the first one doesn't really happen because like you don't really even need the first one to watch the second one. I, I I disagree for one reason, which we'll get into. Well, I also like like well, okay, I guess for certain things, but like. Like the because the movies are so impatient, even how one and two function assumes so much of the audience to just know Spider Man already, to then just get into it. Yeah, like the breeze past Uncle Ben's death, really. In the first oh one. man, <laughs> they might as well not have done it. But anyways, you 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 are saying it's important to see this then, though. Well, to see the second, why do you say that? So there's three. So first off, I will say these movies are very well casted for the most part. I really like the people they get to play. Uh, the his aunt uncle, although the actress who plays his aunt, she doesn't get to do much. She hates her role in the movie. She's gone on record as saying that she disliked being in them. Wow, huh, she, why? Like, uh, she just felt like there was nothing to her character. Yeah, not not compared to Rosemary Pike. Oh man, yeah. like Sally Field. Sorry, I I, I just remember her as a movie the uh, Doris from My Name Is Doris. But Sally Field, there's a pretty infamous quote from her from the Howard Stern show, which you can look up. She disliked being in the films, but Martin Sheen and Sally Field are great in the roles. There's not given much to do. And I'm not a huge Dennis Leary fan for a variety of reasons, but he's pretty good as Captain Stacy and mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Yes, they don't look like teenagers, but their chemistry is off the charts. And it's one of the two things that carries on from the first film into the second one. And I will argue, and I'll just get into I was expecting to dislike these movies more than I ended up uh feeling towards them like i thought maybe spider-man one is a really forgettable standard superhero film that that gets no reactions from me at all which is worse than hating it in my opinion but the overarching love story between peter parker and gwen stacy is it's not like it's not one for all time all times or anything like it's not good it's really good. It's the yeah. strongest relationship out of any of the Spider-Man films, if that's the scale, scale you're using. And so the relationship they start in this movie as it continues into Amazing Spider-Man 2 is really good. It's the one thing that stands out. And it's partially why I think there's some people who very strongly defend Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. There's a whole... Spider-Man is its own little sub-Twitter, essentially. There's people debating about Spider-Man. There's some people who really actually passionately hate the Tom Holland Spider-Man. And it has less to do with Tom Holland himself and more that a, they just, they want a more classic Spider-Man who's just swinging around New York, stopping bank robbers, which I understand, but also in that Andrew Garfield, by the time we get to Amazing Spider-Man two, I think Andrew Garfield's version of Spider-Man is very good. Yeah. I don't like his Spider-Man in Amazing Spider-Man one. He's honestly kind of a jerk. Like they don't understand Spider-Man's sense of humor where he's like bullying 
muggers. It's very weird. Some of that works. I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man did a lot of mocking and teasing. But it comes off more mean-spirited in Amazing Spider-Man 1 than I think they intended. And I think they they iron that out really well in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Like, the opening thing with him and Rhino is perfect. Like, the jokes he's telling, the way he's interacting with Rhino, yeah. that's pitch perfect. And... So that stuff is very strong. The other thing is the introduced stuff with Peter Parker's parents in the first one. Oh, man. Which it's is, bad. it's sort of from the comics. In the comic books, his Peter Parker's parents actually are in the CIA and they mysteriously die in a plane crash. For some reason, not only did they include that in these movies, they expand it where <laughs> Peter Parker's dad partially invents the stuff that makes Peter Parker Spider Man. Which is the worst idea ever. Not only that, but the, the, his so in in two when it opens, he's trying to send a video, and then he does, and then he dies. And then later in the film, when you finally see the video, he's talking about how like his research is important, this and that, whatever. It's been unique to his family, and it's also unique specifically to the lineage. And he's talking, but he, but then he's talking about like not wanting to be like a danger to anybody and how much he loves his son. But both my wife and I turn and go, but because in this video, you just said that like the research can only continue with your bloodline. If someone just found this, Peter Parker is going to die because they're going to find Peter Parker and they are going to get him. Like you just, get that blood you immediately. Like, like we both were like, why did they keep that line in the movie? Like other than to say like, for th- for the audience that oh well the blood will the 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 spider bite will only affect Peter Parker and it wouldn't help Harry Osborn in that plotline but it's it's all bad um all the parent stuff is interesting in the sense that like you're doing something we didn't see before in the other movies and that's sort of something that was always interesting about these movies is people were just like how are they gonna make it different like what are we gonna do and so why not that's fine but if you're gonna do it make it better than what we got because it doesn't turn out well and it really just sort of overcrowds the movie it gets in the way it's it's tiresome and i'm sure you agree because it sounds like you didn't like any of that either <laughs> uh no i all the stuff with his parents is terrible how it ties into osborne's is terrible and i'm again like i i feel like i need to say this every time we criticize plotting or creative decisions in a superhero thing even if this is from the comics comics are not an infallible source they're not holy scriptures like comic books can also be bad so if this is a thing in the comics i dislike it there too i don't like the idea that ben parker also potentially created not ben parker i don't know richard parker is his dad's name yeah names also inadvertently created green goblin 2 or whatever because of reason you know all Did that he? stuff I, do they imply that he well because he, the he takes the he takes the serum thing and it, he turns in the goblin right no he no the problem is that the osborne family has a curse that's what he says but it's well, basically it's a, they have like her- a genetic disease that kills them it's her, right yeah but that doesn't but the, the idea isn't that richard parker made the disease or something no. like that it's that the Osborns just have had this. And while from the outside, it looks like they're just being a successful company making genetic advancements for the world, really the entire lineage of the Osborne family has been, right. how do I prevent myself from dying at like 30 right, right. skin cancer? No, I get all of that, but I'm saying like- Which is cool, by the way. I go on record thinking that that's actually a pretty interesting idea. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. What I'm saying is because he initially went Spider-Man's blood- because he sees that Spider-Man, because of Richard Parker's research, Spider-Man clearly has been bitten by one of these spiders, and it's made him Spider-Man. So he's like, well, I want that to happen to me. Right, Harry Osborn, And he doesn't yeah. realize that only Parker blood works. So when he does it to himself, it has a negative reaction. So right? he doesn't... Okay, so... So Harry, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is more complicated than anything Spider-Man needs to be. Um, so Harry Osborn comes back in this movie, and this is played where by, they expect played by future star Dane DeHaan. I know, wasn't he? <laughs> wasn't he going to be that? And then he went in Valerian, and not even Valerian could help him. Not that Valerian could help. Not even that either. Quibi show could make him a star. I enjoyed that. That was an interesting know, little thing. But you're the only person who saw it. I know I'm so. the only person who saw it. Um, <laughs> I think I texted you like a month ago. Oh, man, I miss Quibi. <laughs> the one person. It was kind of nice, but what a mess. Quibi, Quibi, I texted you. Quibi had the one thing that nothing else has, which is you could screenshot in the app. 
And now you can't screenshot anything. And I hate it. Like Netflix should come out. I mean, part of it, the problem is that Netflix doesn't own the rights to all the movies. So releasing screenshots for something that what Universal put out might not be allowed. But like, I want to be able to screenshot stuff, man. So Quibi, you got it right, man. Uh, We miss you. And by we, I mean me. And by me, I just mean specifically the ability to screenshot scenes from movies. Okay, so like the genetic... But Harry Osborn, yeah. The, the, ven- Osborn. the venom from the spiders is what he injects himself with. He injects himself with the venom from the spiders. Harry Osborn comes back and his dad tells him, uh, it's a good use of the idea of Green Goblin, but it's like we basically have Green Goblin disease, uh-oh, whoopsie, <laughs> and we turn into Green Goblins and then we die. And... That's interesting and cool. But he also, also has a suit that has an automatic healing function. Which I think is kind of interesting. Well, <laughs> but okay. like, why didn't he use that on himself? First off, why do you have a suit that can automatically heal you? How do you, that's an amazing invention. <laughs> like, yeah, it, like, dude, why don't you just go to every hospital and be like, all right, you're green gobbling it up. Cause <laughs> you know, so yeah, I just, cause they're selfish. Cause, cause, cause the villains, it, but you know? yeah, Harry Osborn will have the green goblin disease. It's starting to affect him. So he's like, I need to get Peter Parker's blood. I need to get Spider-Man's blood because he has the ability to heal, which we've never actually been clear on, but whatever we can. Just well, he has it. a healing factor. So like, it's not quite as strong as Wolverine's, for example, but he does heal from damage. It's just, and so it's not like he doesn't make him invincible. Or anything. It's plus one health per minute. And yeah, yeah, something like that. So then he gets mad and decides, I'm just going to stab myself with the venom, the spider venom that was left over anyway. And then it makes him go crazy and he puts on a suit, which I like the idea of him dying, but having to wear a suit to keep him from dying. Yes, I, I'm, I think that's a cool idea. Yeah, Like there's a lot of really interesting ideas, but it just gets so convoluted. And the second <laughs> movie is too expedient. Like when I'm watching Spider-Man 2 and like Harry Osborn doesn't know who he is until the ending. And then that's just the end of that chapter. And then you have to wait till the next one to watch it. Like what a good way to keep everyone on the edge of their seats with yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 2 by having you introduce Harry Osborn. We can see him be a bit more involved. You don't have to do the tr- love triangle thing again, but I don't know. I mean, you could still have Harry Osborn be a jerk and maybe try and get with Gwen. And then Gwen's assertive and strong because she's a strong, independent woman, which is great in this one. <laughs> I mean, but I, then, yeah, like, I like I like that about Gwen Stacy. In these. But then, yeah, then it just turns into one of the worst costumes I've ever seen. <laughs> so bad. It's and very bad. To get an idea of how, because we're talking about Amazing Spider-Man 2 right now, to give an idea of how overstuffed this is, what we're describing is just one subplot in this not, movie. It's a, yeah, I'm glad you said subplot, because it's not the main plot. This is like less than a tenth of the movie. These are things that happen. <laughs> and yeah, so what, what I'm saying is because Richard Parker helped develop the whole Spider-Venom thing, he has inadvertently played a role in the creation of this Green Goblin and, by extension, Kirk Connors becoming the Lizard. Right. Because he's been so involved in all of this stuff that's happened. So it's like, I don't like the idea that everything needs to be connected. This like thing. Oh, of like, I agree, too. Yeah, I don't like. Know. Well, and that's one of the other problems, too, is that with the plans for Sinister Sticks, Sinister Six in the future, it's not that. Green Goblin becomes insane because he stabs himself with the thing and then. Peter Parker kills him at the or you know his own glider kills him and then two years later is when Dr. Octavius comes onto the scene in the Raimi series which I said to Catherine I was like so I guess Spider-Man is just like stopping robberies He's stopping like, carjackers for, and for people two stealing years. purses you know and so that's why when Dr. Octopus gets on the scene it's so scary is because it's like this is an otherworldly enemy which is something I appreciated with Electro in Amazing Spider-Man 2 is that his scale of destruction is very big. Um, his ability for power makes him very intimidating. And I really, really like that because in any of the other movies, no one's ever that strong. No one's ever that powerful to be that destructive. I mean, Sandman could be that, but then he doesn't do it because... Thomas Hayden Church is a nice guy. And he's just yeah, trying to get home to a, save his kid. So, because yeah, <laughs> he's an interesting three dimensional character. So, right, right, yeah. exactly. And so, even as I'm trying to finish whatever my thought is, I'm realizing Amazing Spider Man 2 is so much. So, I don't even so remember what things, part I was talking you know? about. And because j- j- we haven't little... really talked about the main plot of Amazing no, Spider Man so, 2. We're just so talking about the other Amazing Spider Man 2 is this uh, weird movie where if you cut it in half, 
you can make a movie I really like out of it. Two really good movies, honestly. Yeah. In th- yeah, in theory, but who knows? Because they're trying to to get for so two bits of context. First off, Sony was actively trying to create a whole spider universe of films. There was going to be a Venom movie next. That was like the next thing was their Venom in the same world. Well, there is a there has been a Venom movie in development since 2006, 2008 or something like oh, that. Oh, totally. But so, like this was like it was like Amazing Spider-Man 2 and then Venom was going to be like right after. Yeah. So eventually they got what they wanted. Hence why I was so amazed that that movie even existed. I was like, man, they finally did it. Like I've been hearing news about this for years, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So Drew Goddard helped create Daredevil for Netflix with MCU, which I love that show. And he exited the project and he's only really credited for the first two episodes because Sony brought him in specifically to help create a Sinister Six movie. And so Amazing Spider-Man 2 was supposed to specifically create the platform for multiple spinoffs, including a Sinister Six film. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking I didn't like that it was basically they they're all just connected to Oscorp. Yeah, like the, it's uh, Dr. Octopus isn't someone who comes on two two years later and then has tragedy and becomes evil. It's just here's your suit. Go yeah, see a they Star have War. the Doc like, Ock suit just in their basement. Yeah, that's not a joke. The, literally, the 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 gentleman vulture vulture suits just there. Vulture's wings. Like, it's yeah. like then it's not like then it's not what they they are. Like the, this yeah. isn't they're not their characters anymore. <laughs> they had they just have the rhino suit on hand to give to a guy. The reason that Paul Giamatti becomes a rhino is they're just like, this is a villain. This is a bad guy who's in prison is breaking out. We should just make him the rhino. That's actually what happens in the movie. Also, which is not cool. Um, what's her name? She's in uh, she's Felicity Jones. Is that her yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was she going to be? Because it seemed like she was going to be something. So she she's in two scenes. She's highlighted and she's Felicia Hardy, who is Black Cat in the comics. Uh, who's a character I yeah. really like. I like okay. Black Cat. She's essentially Catwoman for Spider-Man. Uh, but she's a fun character. But she's in two scenes and she's given a prominent role. Uh, BJ Novak from The Office is in this is Alistair Smith, who becomes a villain in the comics as well. He's a guy with giant blades in his arms like Baraka. Uh, all these characters just show up. They have several scenes and then they just disappear from the movie. And what's fascinating is like Raimi did this, but with way more patience. <laughs> well, in purpose like his characters have a role in the movie and with almost with almost no plan to do anything with them right away yeah and then this movie it's like they're prominently being used to build something whereas for Raimi it was just like eh, I'm just you know that'd I mean be cool. it's you Spider-Man know, cool. so of course yeah. they're there right like of course Kirk Connors is here like you can see after Spider-Man 3 he probably would have somehow coordinated with the symbiote and then that makes him a lizard like it's already there, but I'm like, I don't need a stinger at the end doing that, you know? Or just an expl- explosion is allowed for the lizard. That's all you need for Spider-Man villains. It's totally fine. They don't yeah. need to have like yeah. a big lore thing. Yeah. And, yeah. It, it makes sense for Kirk Connors to be Peter Parker's teacher. That's who he is in the comics, first off. Second, he serves a role within that movie where he pushes the narrative forward of Peter Parker not having time for anything. He gives him the pep talk about like needing to like get control of his life. Like it, he makes sense in the context of that one movie, which honestly would make when he becomes a villain way more compelling yes. because yes. of the relationship, because of how he's molded Peter Parker. So it's like, but then at this movie, it's just like, it's like the attention span of a 14 year old. It just goes right after, right. Like, into the oh, next thing. It's Alistair Smith. Oh, <laughs> Hobgoblin. Oh, Norman Osborn's oh, dad. You know, it's just like this moving on. Which- it's the scene from Spider-Man two. Is it the extended cut when he's in the um, escalator? Uh, 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 hammocks. We're going to go and sell you some hammocks, right? Here's my <laughs> business card. I don't, I don't have any pockets. <laughs> like, like that is this movie. <laughs> yeah. And there's cut scenes from this movie. Mary Jane was supposed to be in this movie. She was uh, cast yeah. and she filmed scenes and they're cut. Right. Like, where would have those been? Is this a three-hour movie? But there is this running thread throughout the whole movie where Gwen Stacy and Spider-Man, they the opening five minutes of this movie is awesome. Where he stops a rhino, he's telling jokes, it's funny, 
Meanwhile, yeah, I love it. He's on the back. He's on the front of a truck being Spider-Man on the phone, being looked at by the police. Like, <laughs> it's just like it is the most Spider-Man I've ever seen Spider-Man for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. And he's Gwen's like, where are you? It's because she's giving the commencement speech at their yeah, high school so it's graduation. Really important. Yeah. He shows up just in the nick of time to walk across the stage. But Gwen is upset because he's missing important moments of their life. And so they break up and then they get back together. And they're, <laughs> I Emma break Stone, up with you. The great line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield were a real life couple at this point. So their chemistry is off the charts. And I don't even know if I want to credit the movie with this because it's not like they scripted them to be that charming together. They just genuinely like each other and are in love. It's like, and we're it, just going to film you on a date. Yeah. And then I, I'm, I'm convinced you have they, this they improvise their dialogue. I'm yeah. convinced because it is so natural. It's so it's fun. Mumblecore. Catherine even was like, this is a mumblecore movie. Like this <laughs> is a mumblecore Cyrus drama. suddenly. Yeah. You know? And it's, and their dialogue is so sharp and charming in a way that nothing else in the movie is. So I, and that throughout the whole film is so strong and so charming. And I just love them to death. And this, in this movie, it's so cute and they're cute throughout two whole movies and it makes the whole experience worth it. But also there's other things going on and I will let you introduce Electro <laughs> into the movie because you, I really hated this character the first time I saw the movie. And then when you told me like, you know what? I think it's, I think it's bold. I think it's kind of powerful. Uh, just like, you know what? I'm going to watch this with an open mind. But let's see. <laughs> Melvin, introduce the powerful, bold character that is Jamie Foxx has taken on Electro. So uh, let, me, let me read the text because <laughs> I think the text is perfect. The text is a little, I guess you could say edgy. But that, that kind of leads us into the questionability of why this character is the way it is. Let me get there. Because uh, we were texting all last night. Uh, he's watching Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. I'm watching Spider-Man 2. He's like, he, so Dan says, I know we say this about a lot of MCU movies, but Amazing Spider-Man really feels like a movie made by a committee, like it's completely lacking in a distinct feel or personality. We've already covered that. I said it's super committee. Uh, and Amazing Spider-Man 2 is half committee itself, half committee, half whatever writer wanted to be really bold with Electro. Next text. Because I really like Electro <laughs> and how he has this... And how he's basically a borderline special needs character who just accidentally becomes superpowered. That really works for me so much so that when I even saw it in theaters, it just was really effective. Like it really compelled me to keep watching. And then I followed up with, but the Green Goblin Dane DeHaan looks horrible. <laughs> it's just so bad. Uh, but so Electro in this movie is like a, he's a scientific <laughs> Kind Watch of nerdy. As Melvin chooses words very carefully. Yeah, it's it's tough because this is this is the equivalent of an Oscar-winning actor deciding they want to perform someone who's special needs on screen because they're like, wow, it's the big acting exercise of the century, which that alone is very problematic. But that's basically this character, so that's the groundwork we're gonna run with. And um, Jamie Foxx is playing a character that's very down, down and out, very nerdy, very geeky, very unseen. And his introduction is he's got all these blueprints that he's got to take to Oscorp. And the implication is that he's going to be introducing a new project. We later learn that it's a, uh, <laughs> put a lot of electric eels and tanks and you power the city, which is the perfect comic book stuff. I love this so much. <laughs> that was <laughs> so good. I like that. Yeah. Um, and it just works because why not? Like that is, that is great. I'm sorry, but in the previous movie, everyone was going to get turned into lizards. So I'm over this. Like clearly animals have a, a unique power within this universe. And then he almost gets hit by a car and Spider-Man saves them. And Electra's so, so like, He's so happy and filled with joy. And then Spider-Man goes through his little like goofy, encouraging rant of like, you know, you're important. You're my eyes and ears. Um, Max, you're so cool. Whatever. Thanks so much for being alive. I don't know. Whatever. And then, of course, Max is like, you know, my name. He's like, uh, yeah, it's on your name tag. Anyways, he swoops away. Cool. Um, then later, Electro is introduced and it's just his birthday, but it's not just his birthday, but now he has the um, always sunny, insane wall of Pepe Sylvia everywhere on the wall. And he's just like, it's my birthday. I'm important. I hope Spider-Man shows up. I hope people see me. It's going to be great. And then he goes to Oscorp and nobody cares. And the only person who knows it's his birthday is Gwen Stacy. And that's because she read that he had a birthday card that he basically gave himself, which is super sad. It's very sad. I, but like yeah. that all really draws me in to really enjoy him like as a character, because I don't know, like 
have we had a, a character as sad as Electro other than Peter Parker himself in these <laughs> movies? Because like Spider-Man 2 Peter Parker is very sad, <laughs> very sad character. I don't know. I like I can't even think if there's someone else sadder than this. Maybe Ned in the new movies, but I don't know. He has a very sad he has a very sad reduction. And then he for comic book reasons he gains electricity powers, which is yeah. totally fine. And for sad reasons too. Like it's his birthday and BJ Ryan the Temp. Yeah. Ryan the Temp says you gotta <laughs> <Brian>. stay. <laughs> he's like, you gotta stay and fix it. You're the only one who can. We're all gonna leave. And he's like, it's my birthday. So like you're with him. Like, this is sad. And then not only when he goes to fix it, is he like, hey, can you turn off the power in this area? And they're like, dude, the job's over. It's too late. And then they just hang up on him. So he's like, I just have to do it. And then, of course, and he's he singing it happy in. birthday to himself. Oh, too. my gosh. It's so sad. It's so depressing. <laughs> it's a really good, terrifying scene. Like, this is uh, Mark Webb going, this is my scary moment. But it's like a petrifyingly sad scene. Um, oh, and did, I meant to mention this, but is, wasn't there an interesting level of body horror in these movies? In both of them, did you kind of pick up on that? It's there's that in all of the Spider-Man movies to an extent where I didn't really like, feel that people, with the other three. Well, like the stuff with Doc Ock's arms, I guess, in the second one, and like, and maybe not body horror, but there is something horrific about like Thomas Hayden Church becoming Sandman, for example. Okay, that's a little like, freaky, I guess. That stuff, but like, yeah, in this one, like he's just getting bit by eels that seem to actively dislike him, which is like kind of funny. Or like an eel literally just like looks at him, yeah, acknowledges who he is, him. and then just bites him. It's like, yeah, like, but that's like horror. But I mean, body horror. Like when when Peter Parker gets bitten, he pulls like the spider oh, not pulls only like bites a thread him, out of his neck, but yeah. the thread is in his neck. And then we see like <laughs> we see like medical photos of spider bites. <laughs> like even Catherine's like ugh, like gross. <laughs> um, the lizard when he grows his hand back, there's some body horror to that's it. Cool. That's yeah. like pretty gross. Yeah. Um, in this one, Electro, when he wait, so yeah, he's bitten by, uh, he falls into the vat, turns into electric, uh, electricity vanishes basically. Um, and then he's in the morgue and when he gets up, he's callous calcified, which is, yeah, he like comes out of a husk, which is really creepy in its own yeah. right. And then even later when he does his kills, some of them are body horror, which is pretty cool. Cause he basically is just, um, Dr. Manhattan. He kills a guy and starts his heart again. I love that Catherine, uh, is like it's Doctor Manhattan, but he's wearing spats. <laughs> like he's just, they, they're part of his body yeah. now. <laughs> well, two things about Electro. First, I just hate his design. I think he looks terrible. Oh, I kind of think it looked interesting, but I'm I'm not. I didn't read the comics, and I'm not bought into the like. Oh, it's not faithful even in character design. Well, I'm not a big. I always prefer when it's faithful, but I'm also not somebody who's like, oh, they ruined it. You know, I get upset, <laughs> but I just, I they do take big liberties. I just don't like the way he looks. It just looks so half a time. It's very clearly CGI. So it really takes me out of the moment. It, it just, it just really bothered me. I just, I, I was thinking, well, maybe it'll age pretty good. And then I watched him like, ugh. the close-up shots looked really good. I thought so when they're doing close up to him, it looks really, really, really well animated. But I just I don't guess like in it. other ones they didn't I, look good. I don't know. Yeah, I just don't. I, maybe if it maybe maybe it looked better than I think it does. But I just really dislike it. He just looks blue. Maybe you were closer to your TV than I was. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I just think he doesn't look interesting. Like Electro is a fun idea for a character. And so like they could go like maybe he looks like the virus guy from Scooby Doo Cyber Chase. Like that would be more interesting. That'd be looking. cool. But like because it's like you could either go fully cartoony where he just looks like a guy made of electricity or you could go more faithful comic and this picked like a middle ground where he's just blue and that's he's just it. blue that's it he's just blue he does have some cool moves though where he warps in and out that, they, through like, the electrons the in space he like cool. zaps a dude he pulls a malignant which is pretty awesome just zaps a guy in the yeah heart. like well i like that he can just travel through like electrical sockets and wires and stuff that's cool i'm talking about like just the, literally the way he the looks. design yeah, yeah yeah i was not a fan to the point, and this is hated so much that he's being brought back in the new movie. And he's just the new, the old design. He's just he the old one. He looks more like the comic books. Like, so specifically, they, everyone hated it so much they changed it, I guess. Or yeah. maybe maybe Kevin Feige specifically hated it. I don't know if there's a strong online love for the look, but yeah. But the other thing is, okay, so he becomes, he turns into a villain. And these movies have a really big problem where people become bad when they get powers. 
because, you know. But he doesn't. Like he he so he gets so he is now comes out of the husk and things are electronic and scary and whatever and he's freaked out and then you get this what I think is effective good build up of him getting out of the hospital or basically the morgue and he's in the hall uh, down a street and he's setting off alarms and he's learning his powers of like I can basically eat electricity that stuff's great like and then that. he looks and he sees uh Times Square and then you cut back to a date with Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy, and it has this. Um, well, I just love that spider senses are just. I see the future, and mm. it's ominous. Mm. And yeah. you get this. Uh, he looks to um, Times Square, and then he gets there, and there's Electro. And I really like this scene. I remember liking it in theaters. I do like this scene. Thank you. Good. I like this Yay. scene. I like how he's just like scared he's scared and he's basically just eating like he is just a homeless man trying to get some food except for him it's electricity and then a bunch of people get around him and he's like what is what's happening he puts his hands up he's like don't hurt me like i'm just i don't know what's happening to me i don't know what's happening and i'm like that's really good that makes me feel a lot of feelings for this character and then yeah i think even his uh based on the character choices of this character i like how he becomes a quote-unquote villain just because what's important to him is like i'm not seen by anybody and that's all i want is to be valued and noticed by people and he starts to get seen and so he's like okay cool if i have these electric powers people will at least see me even though i'm evil well, I'm not evil. I mean, he chooses to be evil, I guess. But then, of course, Spider-Man shows up, and he not only forgets his name on his birthday, which is the joke that we all <laughs> like to tell, uh, <laughs> and uh, the joke that continues. Um, such... One of the best memes I've seen. I have not seen any spoilers or leaks except for this photo of Electro <laughs> from and the, the tweet, <laughs> the best tweet. You forgot my, my, my birthday. My name on my It'll... birth in another dimension, Spider-Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so good. Oh man, I wonder if he's going to be the same character though in these movies, or if it'll just be, I guess, in this other universe. (laughs) I'm not as oh, there's so many words in my brain that I cannot use. (laughs) You just said they were brain wrong too, (laughs) really making the moment. (laughs) I know. It's so like I like the but it's bold. Don't you agree? It's bold. bold. I mean, (laughs) if you just cut to like. You know, like a table talk discussion about American war atrocities. That would be bold as well. You know, like <laughs> you mean like Falcon and Winter Soldier. The, yeah, basically. Bold. You know, like it'd be bold to just cut to like live surgery footage of someone getting like an arm amputated, or, like, or how Halloween Kills ends with live footage, or or uh, yeah, live footage of nine eleven. But it's just like <laughs> it's a movie forty three joke. Yeah. Yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate the attempt to do something unique. <laughs> I'll, I'll give them that, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's it makes my heart feel things and I like it. This character arc really works and it worked for me then and it works yeah, for me man. now. And so I I am Team Electro because <laughs> if you remember even when during the release of this movie it was big on teams. There was like Team Goblin or Team Electro, who are you going to be? You going to be Team Rhino? Well, <laughs> sucks to be you cuz you get 5 minutes of screen time Team and Rhino. only 2 minutes in the suit. Rhino Rhino's so great in this movie. I I, I just don't <laughs> I don't connect with his motivation. Like it's he he literally has voices in his head going, We hate Spider-Man. It's we awesome. Hate Spider-Man. <laughs> Thank you, Pharrell Williams. Thank you, Pharrell Williams, for ruining Hans Zimmer's soundtrack. The, the music <laughs> the music's interesting. And I, I like the music. I like the um I like the flute flute music that's used for building up how he's very tiny and it's like do 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 whatever. Yeah, it's I, cute. I like all the music. But again, like his motivation is so... It's simple. Odd. It's so... It's simple, but it's odd. And it kind of needs to be simple because the movie's so big. Yeah. He just... He decides he hates Spider-Man. That's kind of it. Like he just... It's just... Yeah. It's weird. And so like to get into the kind of... He's implied to have some sort of personality disorder, disability, however you want to say it, because he clearly isn't all there because he becomes obsessed with Spider-Man. He calls it a radio show to tell them that he's Spider-Man's best friend. You see his thoughts when when Ryan the Temp makes fun of Spider-Man 
Yeah. Um, he like attacks him, but then you see it was just what he was thinking. Yeah. He knows Spider-Man's like uh, Zodiac sign. It's like, I, like I, yeah, he's that was great. I love that. Like, uh, like that so he's so a super good. fan and he's obsessed with Spider-Man. So that's the, and that's a thing. People become obsessed with celebrities, parasocial relationships, et cetera, et cetera. But I like that. Was that good. stuff's interesting. But like the implication that that makes him there's something to be said for a movie where what would happen if someone who's like one of these weirdo people that thinks they're dating a Twitter celebrity gets superpowers. That's an interesting idea for a movie. But it it, it plays out so strangely here. And then that kind of gets ironed out where it just becomes another excuse for someone to hate Spider-Man. And it just becomes a standard Spider-Man villain. So you're left in this weird but thing. But it's a really. lot stronger than Lizard. I'm going to just sure, I'm but just Lizard, <laughs> yeah, Lizard's the worst villain in any of these movies it's so by <laughs> such a long margin by virtue of being so unmemorable. It's just a different character. He just becomes a different character. <laughs> yeah, and it's like and he also uh, just from a visual standpoint, it's just a green monster guy. They yeah. even strip him of so in the comics he's purple pants and a white shirt kind of like Hulk. In this, in the movie, it's Amazing Spider-Man. They make a point to show him ripping off his clothes every time he becomes a lizard, ruining the one visually distinct thing about him. Bad ideas all around. So Electro earns points just for being so bizarre and memorable. But is it offensive to imply that yes. because he might be disabled, that's why he becomes a bad guy? Not, not only that, but like they're like this is something as Catherine studies like child development stuff. Like there's an unfortunate reality where there's this increased in black families, there's almost this increased potential for special needs issues with young boys in particular. And so the fact that this figure, one of the only black characters in this franchise is a special needs person who becomes a villain is uh, just about as outdated as Spider-Man's homophobic joke in the first Raimi movie. It just doesn't make it doesn't make good sentence structure in my brain. Like I just I <laughs> What's can't. What's happening even, to you? <laughs> it's it's just dangerously bad, <laughs> and and I like it in the movie, but it's still not good is what i'm kind of getting at it's just not it's potentially icky yes yeah you know? that's it makes me feel uncomfortable it, alongside the fact that i actually like the character i like how he works i think it's cool that he warps around and zaps people to death that is cool but like and and i also like that he's sort of a henchman to green goblin in the movie for a bit i think that's kind of neat like the fact that they're basically this buddy cop villain for like 10 minutes but that's because the movie has the attention span of 10 minutes for everything but yeah it's it's kind of icky it is kind of icky yeah and then like he's not even the main focal point at the end of the movie and that's also part of the movie just being overstuffed like there's all these references to future films that don't materialize there's like all these like characters (laughs) that walk on screen for maybe five or ten minutes and then they're never mentioned or talked about again and then electro this polarizing figure he was he got mixed responses when he came out and as nerddom goes eventually the only it got boiled down to he looks blue he big fireman for guy's birthday and so like the harder edges of the problems of the character get kind of forgotten in the sands of time it has been seven years granted which it is has been a long time in movie years do you think that's why people when they think about this movie because that was a question i want to ask you and you sort of were going into it and then you wanted me to talk about electro but you sort of were saying like, I expected to not like these movies as much as I remembered not liking them. But then do you think you're stepping away from both, especially to with a bit more of a fondness? Um, well, I think at the time, part of the dislike for the movies came with the fact that um, they were coming out during a huge phase two, huge part of the MCU, right? They're coming out. Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 1 is competing with Avengers. Amazing Spider-Man 2 is competing with Guardians of the Galaxy and Winter Soldier. You, it's, it's tough. It's stiff competition. And people have been just angrily wanting Spider-Man in the Marvel yeah. universe. And so I do wonder if there's a lot of, cause like I'm watching this and I'm like, oh man, I don't see what frustrates so many people yeah. about this movie. But I think if you're going into it going, I wish Sony would give up Spider-Man, then it's way easier to see the problems and then make fun of them. If that makes any sense. Yes, exactly. There was definitely a sense of this is what we got instead. 
uh, Spider-Man returning yeah. to his rightful home into the Disney, you know. Um, it, so like it, it was, it's pretty well known that Sony has to keep making Spider-Man movies or the rights revert back to Marvel now owned by Disney. And so the reason that this movie was put out so quickly as soon as the Raimi stuff fell apart is because they didn't want to lose the film rights. And so that definitely put a sour taste in people's mouths and good on them. Well, it's, it, it gets in the complicatedness of the way movie rights work where people just have yeah. to keep making movies like the famously, the fantastic four, Roger Corman's fantastic four, well, fantastic four, Roger Corman, fantastic four, but there's another one, Dick Tracy, uh, Warren Beatty made a had to make another Dick Tracy movie or lose the rights to it because he made the movie like in 1990. So mm. he, on a $0 budget, he shot a quote unquote movie where he just got interviewed by Leonard Malton in the Dick Tracy costume and aired one time on AMC channel it hasn't been aired since, but he got to keep the rights because he quote unquote made a movie. Uh, so like stuff like that, like happens just because people don't lose the rights to it. And so there is something to be said about it for the way movie rights work. But yeah, Sony doesn't owe Disney the character or anything. So I side with them in that regard. But at the same time, like I said, when they get full reign to do whatever they want, they do such weird things with the character. And so like Amazing Spider-Man 2 is an example of that, where when pressed like, okay, we made Amazing Spider-Man 1, so the rights are safe. What do we do now? This is what they do. Yeah. And it's this like weird overstuffed movie where they're trying to set up seven other movies. And so part of it, part of why this Amazing Spider-Man 2 specifically was so rottenly uh received reviewed is because it had all the things people don't like about superhero movies tons of cameos from characters who don't have a purpose other than to just establish they exist uh tons of setup for future sequels that may or may not happen and then you know doing something weird that's polarizing with known and beloved characters like electro and the terrible looking green goblin so Mm -hmm. you just have a recipe for resentment from fandom and the movie's two and a half hours long it's at least 30 minutes too long. Yeah. But like I said, Peter Parker, Gwen Stacy stuff is great. Gwen Stacy, uh, spoilers dies and it's very sad and it's a genuinely it's a effective scene. moment. It's great. People gasped in my theater when it happened. Yeah. I got gas. I got shock. Um, even Catherine, cause she hadn't seen these movies. She knew she died, but I was always like, I don't know. Cause she got, cause she got to watch it. Um, cause like I, <laughs> I I even remember when this movie was coming out, like it was the first movie, uh, Marvel movie or comic booky movie where I was reading articles and I was even like reading screen rant, like this is what was in the trailer. Let's see what. So like I was even primed to see like, are they going to kill her or not? Because it was like, uh oh, there's the clock tower. It's the clock. It's the thing. It's the primary thing. She's famous for in the comics. Unfortunately, is dying. So people are just waiting for it to happen. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but like, it was like, oh, she dies in a clock tower in the comics. So maybe she'll die in this with, cause we see a clock tower. And so like, I, I have fond memories of the movie just because of that. And like, I enjoyed it when I saw it in theaters. Um, and there was a stan on Facebook who posted about it all the time. So I guess, so I guess I was born for this. Was it you? Was it you from <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just some other guy who was like, everyone hates it, but I like it. Um, but, um, yeah, even Catherine who, yeah, we were watching together when it happens. She was like, Oof. the way she dies is very, uh, striking painful very yeah. very painful <laughs> um it's it's a mixture between hit my head and my spine is broken <laughs> like it's it's not good and man andrew garfield sells the moment he goes because he's a great on. actor that's why <laughs> and he like pretend that your girlfriend is dead yeah holding it's like, your oh, real girlfriend. What? like <laughs> I, I like to imagine mark webb is like i just killed your girlfriend and then turn the camera on <laughs> and he's like what like Gwen, it's like oh, just kidding yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. she just like gets up and gives him a cupcake i'm just kidding i'm yeah. alive like, <laughs> andrew we've been over this this is a movie <laughs> You're not really (laughs) Spider-Man. Oh, man. But yeah, it was... And and I... Even though Green Goblin looks like a mess, I like the action sequence. I like the helplessness that Peter Parker is really in. I like the contortion that he's in where it's... I mean, you are just like... It's a nail-biting, toe-curling, lean-forward scene. And thematically, it kind of ties into the thing. Like, he's trying to simultaneously fight a villain while saving Gwen. Like the the complete uh calamity in his life the inability to str- juggle all these things where he's having to do all the stuff at once like finally he can't hold everything together all at once you know it's a good different way of making spider-man 2 because that's what spider-man yeah. 2 is with raimi it's just how would you do it mark webb and committee 
And unfortunately, <laughs> the committee stuff really falls apart. But I think what Mark Webb tries to do with it, because now he has characters that are established, works well. So like I, I do. I like this movie. I know that's a bad take. Um, what a surprise for me. But um, <laughs> you're when on it comes, a roll lately. <laughs> I know, right? But like the, when Melvin when I, liked movies, Halloween Kills, <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen, Amazing Spider-Man I didn't Spider-Man necessarily 2. like Dear Evan Hansen. I just thought it was f- reasonably effective if I accept it for what it is. But it's also <laughs> bad movies are good movies if you accept they're bad movies. <laughs> I mean, that's a philosophical position that you can probably defend. It's a mess. It's it's a mess that I do agree with that. Didn't it was a mess that I was trying to do fifty things it failed at, which is partially why it's What's funny is it's a mess, but nothing happens. Like I'm watching it and enjoying it, and Catherine's like, but nothing happens in this movie. I mean Gwen Stacy. And then dies. like like my the puzzles come together in my brain. I go, Oh my gosh, Catherine's right. Nothing happened in this movie. <laughs> the, the one thing the movie really does well is I like the full arc you get for Spider-Man, like his decision to keep going, even though it's cost him his loved ones. That's a pretty standard Spider-Man thing that I always enjoy. Yeah. I like, I often think about the ending with the little kid and Rhino. That's good. Pretty stuff. Cool. The graveyard. That's neat. Yeah. If you watch just the beginning and end of this movie, it's pretty good. You know, <laughs> it's just like, and the electro stuff forms. <laughs> Give me a super cut. Says, says Melvin. <laughs> like, no, I think, it's weird to like, these are two movies I don't particularly like at all. They're kind of boring that you don't get a lot out of them. And it's, it's made worse by the fact that maybe retroactively these movies would have been improved if it led to some grand spider verse that everyone likes. And who knows after the fallout of no way home, who knows what the status of all of these movies will be. But at the same time, like there is a singular thing I think works at all of them, which is to reiterate for the hundredth time, the Peter Parker, Gwen Stacy stuff works really well. I, and that is, if you're a Spider-Man fan, I would say these are worth checking out just for that. And then there'll be dumb nerdy stuff you enjoy, like the way he swings around in his suit in the second one. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, like, and I didn't make a note of it, but there, they'll be here and there. There'll be a little thing that you don't get in the other Spider-Man movies where I think all, bo- all three series of Spider-Man live action films as a Spider-Man fan, and I'm a big one, there's a reason to watch all of them because oh, you absolutely. get a different Spider-Man thing out of them. Same thing with the Batman movies. Like anytime Batman's on screen, doesn't matter how bad or good or whatever the movies are. It's just <laughs> like, Hey, it's Batman. You know, I yeah. like Batman. I'll watch Batman in anything. You know, I supremely dislike, you know, Batman versus Superman, but you know, Batman does some cool detective stuff in that. And I like the older Batman, you know, so I'll find something I like about it regardless. And Spider-Man's that way. So now I, it's, it, you know, if you watch tons of superhero movies, you know, maybe not do Amazing Spider-Man in a rewatch. Or if you don't, you know, don't have the same affinity for it, you're probably not going to get the same thing out of it. But I, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed the Spider-Man Gwen Stacy love story across two films. Everything else kind of, that's a big letdown. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how bad Dane DeHaan's Goblin looks. It's monstrously bad. bad. It is very bad. And like, what's difficult is like that scene's clearly built to be like a almost like a horror scene because there's no music. This is real. And then he's just sort of floats there and breathes, and you're like, oh, please stop, just stop breathing. Like this is bad. Um, It does not turn out well. Yeah, I I would say like if you're a Spider-Man fan, they're fun to go into right after the Raimi ones, just as a they kind of solve the itch of wanting to see more techie smart spider-man do things and then also i do think like there's a charisma to garfield that is different from raimi he's almost too cool to be peter parker yes that's what Catherine says he also looks too cool he is he's just in general too cool he's a handsome good-looking guy who's spider-man like yeah you know it's just uh it's not all there in that regard it's also kind of goofy too to watch basically a high school movie that is also spider-man because the first one feels a lot like a high school movie but uh yeah i they're fun i think they're pretty cool and uh they're they are laden with faults half of amazing spider-man 2 is boring and 
just will never go anywhere. It will never go anywhere. <laughs> it just she's will not... never going to be Black Cat, you know? Yeah, like this is it's done. It's already over. It is the equivalent of the it is the film version of the Dark Universe photo uh, where <laughs> you get to see everybody there. And they got paid, but now that's some good bad. That is some yeah. good bad. Right? Yeah, that is some good bad. But it's not as entertaining as that trailer that released for the Mummy without the audio. That is really good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so look forward to the next Cinematic Doctrine episode where we review the Mummy trailer that was a pre-release. <laughs> Just the trailer. <laughs> Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.